Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Um, So today we are carrying on with the series that we've been looking at. So we've been looking at the values in King's Church. So we have an A, B, C, D, E value in King's. If ever you're not quite sure what they are, um, they are actually on the website. So you can just have have a look at the website and all five are there with a brief description about each one, Um, but we are obviously going through this series at the moment and explaining a little bit more about each one. So today we are focusing on E. So E is empowered by the Holy Spirit, okay, which is a great one, great one. And so we're going to be thinking a bit about why that's important to us as a church um, and what that looks like. We're going to have two focus points for today. You can tell I've been in school, can't you? The learning outcomes for this session today is. Um, now, we're going to have a look a little bit at what the, what the Bible says, what the biblical basis of the Holy Spirit is. And we're also going to have a think about this hunger and thirst for more of the Holy Spirit. So there's going to be sort of two parts um, today. But don't worry, that doesn't mean that I'm talking twice as long. Okay? It might even be shorter than normal. Um, but that is what we're looking at today. And it's really interesting because, you see, the issue about the Holy Spirit, we, we are a Pentecostal church, obviously, right? But there's so many varied ideas about the Holy Spirit. And lots of people have got sort of a mixture of different ideas or maybe fears about the Holy Spirit. Um, some people think that the Holy Spirit was active in the Bible but is no longer active today. Um, Some people think that the Holy Spirit was first around on the day of Pentecost and only Pentecostal Christians get him. Um, And there's loads of different um, ideas about the Holy Spirit. So that's why we're going to look first of all and say, okay, well, what does the Bible actually say about the Holy Spirit? When was he first given and what's going on? What does he do? So the first thing then... Um, is that the Holy Spirit is a fundamental part of creation, and he's still the life giver. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a life giver. And we can see this through a number of passages. The first one is Genesis 1 verse 2, where it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, ready to move, ready to bring the word of God into, into action and see the full creation happen and it's confirmed in psalm 104 so verse 30 it says when you send out your spirit they are created and you renew the face of the ground so i think that's a a powerful picture the holy spirit is sent out and creation happens and in job 34 verse 14 to 15 we actually see from a reverse picture he says if it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust so the holy spirit is vital for life our own life our breath the life that we see in creation the plants the animals this beautiful dog who's helping so well you know all of creation is reliant on the Holy Spirit. Pretty important then that we know something about him and what he's doing. And remember, he is a person, 
Okay, so he's a person of the Trinity. It's not sort of just a, a floating energy. The Holy Spirit is a person. So secondly, the Holy Spirit is also the one who gives us new life through salvation. So we experience salvation because of Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit that is involved in bringing that new life into action. He convicts us, first of all, of our sin. He shows us the need for Jesus. He reminds us, he touches our spirit and reminds us of our need for him. And then he's very much involved in that salvation process. So the Bible says in John 3, verse 5 to 7, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So clearly the spirit is vital for this process of being born again, this new life with Jesus. It wouldn't be possible without the cross. That picture that Evie showed us before of the cross, the power of the cross, and all those beautiful colors coming off it. It was because of the cross that we get to be saved and the resurrection. But in the process, the Holy Spirit brings that new life um, into action. So when Jesus was resurrected, that resurrection Sunday, and he went to see his disciples, it was so powerful. That was the first time that these disciples had a chance to respond to the gospel because it was the first time the gospel had actually been realized. Jesus was resurrected. He won the battle. He was alive. And so in that moment, oh, where have we gone? Um, all the prophecies of the Old Testament had finally be f- been fulfilled. And in John 20, verse 21, it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So this was the salvation moment. This wasn't the infilling. This was salvation. And Jesus breathed on them. And the word used, I can't pronounce it. I'm hopeless at like proper Bible words. I can spell it for you if you need it. (laughs) But the word used um, for breathed is never again used in the New Testament. It was a one-off. You're looking at me funny. Is that okay? Okay, good, 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 good. (laughs) Okay. So it's only used to talk about when God breathed into Adam to bring life to Adam and also over the dry bones in, in Ezekiel's vision. So Jesus, when he breathed into his disciples, he was breathing life into them and it was the Holy Spirit that brings that life. Um, so in that moment, they're saved. They're saved because Jesus has died, he's been resurrected. They turn to him and he breathes their new life into them, um, which is amazing. So far then, we've seen that the Holy Spirit has existed as part of the Trinity for all time, right at the beginning of creation, okay? And he was a fundamental part of creating and sustaining life, as well as bringing the new life in through the power of the cross. So clearly the Holy Spirit has purpose. So I know that sometimes people feel like the Holy Spirit is just what Pentecostals talk about for a nice feeling or an experience. But so far we can see that the Holy Spirit has a fundamental purpose purpose. It's really important. Okay, so our third focus then is how the Holy Spirit is shown to empower people through the Old Testament. 
Now, I know some people feel like the Holy Spirit was only given in the New Testament, but we can see a number of examples through the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit at work. Okay, so first of all, Joshua. I think he was the only, I think he was the only person in the Old Testament to be described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it says that in Numbers 27 verse 18 that Joshua was filled with the Spirit. Some of you are smiling at the thing. Okay, okay. Okay, so in Deuteronomy 34 verse 9, by the way, I'm really sorry, but there are so many scriptures in what I've prepared because when I started researching for this, for this preach, I struggled to cut things out because the Bible is full of stuff about the Holy Spirit, absolutely flowing with stuff about the Holy Spirit because he's absolutely integral to everything. So I've had to cut tons out and I've just kept um, as, as much scripture in as possible, to be honest. But here we go. So Deuteronomy 34 says, Now Joshua, son, son, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So how cool is this? The Holy Spirit has filled Joshua and then he moves in a way that gives Joshua wisdom. So he's gifting him with a gift, a spiritual gift of wisdom because it means that the people following are actually going to trust him and do what God is saying through him. So again, a really important purpose. So the Holy Spirit has filled Joshua and is using him to move his people in the direction he needs to go. There's loads of scriptures which I can give people if they really need them um, to show that the Holy Spirit actually worked and empowered the judges. So a number of different judges. And the Holy Spirit also came to Saul, filled Saul, Saul prophesied. Also, the Holy Spirit is said to have um, helped him win battles. Um, In fact, Saul even prophesied on the way to try and kill David. How crazy is that? Amazing. That's a whole other preach. Um, Bezalel, 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 okay. This is actually my favorite one because the Holy Spirit empowered him with creativity. And I love that because this was the guy whose job it was to build the tabernacle. And so the Holy Spirit, it says, empowered him with creativity and ability to do this really important job, which was to create a space for the Holy Spirit, for God to dwell within his people, amongst his people. And he also empowered him to teach people how to do it, which is it's just amazing. Okay, so clearly throughout the Old Testament, because I've just named a few, but you could go on and on. There are significant number of occasions that the Holy Spirit is said to empower people to serve God in various ways. So the fourth side of this about biblical examples is about the New Testament. So what do we see in the New Testament about the work of the Holy Spirit? We've already talked about salvation, how the Holy Spirit is really important for that work of salvation, which is great. Um, But the Spirit was poured out in a brand new way in the New Testament, in a way that had never been seen before in the Bible. Um, It was more than for salvation. And it had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, and it had been promised by Jesus. So this was not unexpected. The way it happened was unexpected. But the fact that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out was expected. 
Jesus had told them, wait here because I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on you. It's prophesied all the way through the Old Testament. And in Acts 2, we see the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not the only. So the first outpouring. When the day of Pentecost came. So the whole thing is from uh, Acts 2, verse 1 to 13. I'm only going to read the first four verses, but you can go ahead and and read the whole thing um, if you want. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I think that's significant. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's totally different, isn't it? Like totally different to what we've seen before. And there's new language being used. This infilling, it's not, that's not been described before. So it's, they are filled, and not just that, but every single person. So in the Old Testament, where we've seen people who have been impacted and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were people that were marked out for specific important jobs throughout the Old Testament. But here, we see a room of ordinary people Every single one of them filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single one. Every single one. And they were gathered together for Jesus. And every single one of them was impacted by the Holy Spirit. And did you notice there was a physical impact and there was evidence? So there was a physical impact of the Holy Spirit outpouring... And there was evidence through tongues. And as you read on through chapter 2, you see more evidence in empowering people to preach. So the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not limited to kind of crazy feelings or speaking in tongues. The power of the Holy Spirit empowers us in so many ways. And people were empowered to preach powerfully the name of Jesus and salvation after being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can see then that there's two distinct ways that the Holy Spirit impacts us. When we are saved, every single one of us, if you respond to Jesus, you will encounter the Holy Spirit. And that's beautiful and it's incredible. Every single person. But there is a second outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you get to have. Every single one of you, you get that opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And throughout Acts, we can see that the, um, the apostles come across groups of people that have experienced salvation. They've learned about Jesus and they've chosen to follow him, but they hadn't yet received an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So that is then offered to them and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered for works of service and see miracles. Um, so the Resurrection Sunday leads to salvation and the Holy Spirit given to everybody. Pentecost Sunday leads to a powerful infilling or a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So throughout the Bible, from the start to the end, the Holy Spirit is fundamental. Okay, so it's absolutely essential all the way through from the first few verses right to the end. So why then, if the Holy Spirit is so important, 
Why are we constantly being told to hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit? So that's what we're going to be thinking about now, okay? So hopefully you all know our verse for the year this year, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, it is John 7, verse 37 to 38. I'm just going to take my jumper off, sorry. Okay, so it says, let anyone, again, isn't that word anyone reassuring? You know, we don't have to be anything special or super duper. Let anyone, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. That's all about Jesus, okay? So let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever, oh, there it is again, whoever, love these words, anybody, whoever, anyone, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So whoever, every one of us in this room, this is an invitation for us. If you're thirsty, if you feel in your life dry and exhausted and in need, let's do what he's saying. This is, invitation is for us. Let's come to Jesus and say, yes, please. I need your infilling. I need your spirit. Because not only do those rivers quench your thirst, there's enough to flow out and impact everybody around you. And when Jesus made this declaration, it was actually a really risky time for him because it was in the middle of a festival and he'd actually waited for the most significant day of the festival and he stood up and said this. And it was a place where there was loads of people trying to get him. They were all trying to get him. In fact, some guards had been sent to grab him and take him away. But even the guards were listening to him and were so impacted by what he said, they went away and they left him to it and they had to explain themselves later. So Jesus was speaking with power. And so he was giving this open invitation to anybody who comes to Jesus. There's no other way to be empowered by the Holy Spirit unless you come through Jesus. It's the absolutely, it's the only thing that we have to do, but it's absolutely essential. Um, and he reveals something here about the outcome, doesn't he, of living a life in relationship with him and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks about this life-giving water. Again, it's life. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, this isn't something to be scared of or fearful of. It's the very life-giving source of everything that we get to, to be in what's the word, well, to be filled with. And so living a life with Jesus in this way, acknowledging our need for Jesus, acknowledging that thirst that we have. When we say, okay, I can't do this in my own power, I have a thirst for something more, then we actually get to be empowered by this Holy Spirit. And it's, it's really, you can't explain, like Paul was saying earlier, it's so hard to explain and to describe the feeling or the life that you get to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's unreasonable joy and peace. It's unreasonable. Like, why on earth should that happen? You know, but it's, it's there and it's a promise um, for anyone and for whoever. So let's have a look at Luke 11, because I love this passage. It tells us so much about who God is. Um, so Luke 11, verse 5 to 13. You guys all know this, I'm sure. So it says, Then Jesus said to them, 
Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, I'm just supposing I have a friend, that'd be nice. (laughs) Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are right and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that amazing? I want to have shameless audacity when requesting the Holy Spirit. I've decided I'm going to be more shameless in my requirements, in my asking God to fill me. Because he is so generous and he's so good. And what he pours out is good for us. It's not to harm us. It's not to scare us. It's to build us strengthen us, empower us, change us in so many ways. I'm going, to be, I'm going to have more shameless audacity and say, God, you are so good. I'm going to keep knocking on this door because I just want more and more of you. I want more and more of you. So in every space I exist, when I'm in celebration space, when I'm in huddles, if I'm in missional community, if I'm with my family over the dinner table, if I'm in my quiet devotional space, I'm going to have shameless audacity and say, God, move in me, fill me afresh with your spirit, because he's saying here, he wants to pour it out, he wants to, and he said, just keep knocking, keep seeking, I'm going to pour it out, I love it, I love God, isn't he amazing? What an amazing character. Now, I don't know if you guys are kind of on board with how I'm describing God. I think you are. I think you probably are on board with me. Um, But that verse that Paul shared earlier, um, Psalm 34, verse 8, it gives some help to people who aren't quite sure if you agree with me, okay? Because if if somebody's talking to you about God or about the Holy Spirit and you're not quite sure, then taste and see that the Lord is good. Just taste for yourself. Invite him in and taste and see. When Dan was eating that food before, some of the food he was a bit nervous about eating, wasn't he? And he was like licking the olive, like, mm, do, I want, do I want to put that in my mouth? Um, it was a tentative taste. God's okay with that. If that's, what you're, if that's the stage that you're at where you're going, I'm not quite sure from the descriptions I've got whether I want to just go full on into this just taste because it is good he is good and what he brings in you will always be good you've got everything to gain so have a taste 
So, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It's just, sorry, there's just so many scriptures about the Holy Spirit that I keep wanting to bring in, but I don't want to talk for the rest of the day. So, we're going to stick to these ones. So, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, isn't that amazing? We are to eagerly desire it's almost like God's trying to get a message across to his church like you know church you can't do this without me (laughs) seek me eagerly desire have audacity go for it know that I'm a big God with big gifts he can deal with it so we don't need to be discouraged we don't need to sort of have fear around asking God It says, follow the way of love. God is love. We follow him. God reveals love in us. When the Holy Spirit fills us, there's a way that we can love people that we never had before. It's incredible. So we are to eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? Um, The Holy Spirit was given for a purpose, and it's to build the church up, okay? So the Holy Spirit gifts people in ways that will build up the church and show the power of God in our nation and in our world. So these are really important gifts that we should seek, but for the purpose of love and his kingdom, not for ego, Because we can't do it on our own. Even the most gifted person in the world cannot be church on their own. Okay? So we are to eagerly desire these gifts and use them for the purpose that he says. Okay? Which is for the common good and to build up the church. So I'm going to read that. Because I haven't got it written down. Um, So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11. So, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And that's important. So, whatever gift God gives you is no better or worse than a gift he's given to your neighbor. Okay? We're all equal in this. We're all nothing without him. That's our starting point. Okay? So, uh, there we go. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one... the sorry to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good not for us individuals to one there is given there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom we saw that with joshua didn't we before in the old testament it's quite interesting to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. There's tons there. We don't need to be stressed that we're going to miss out The Holy Spirit is for each one of us, and he pours gifts into each one of us. And whatever that is, we are built for it. God designed us 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to live in the power and, in, and operate in the gifts. And, you know, some of those, like the miraculous stuff, the healings, that is the way that the world sees the glory of God. So those things are not just to be seen inside the church where we say during communion, oh, if you want healing, come out and get prayed for. That definitely should be happening. But those things can be operating outside these walls to show people that God is alive today and his Holy Spirit is active today. It's to build his church. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Now those two verses that I shared seem perhaps to contradict each other because one says, Seek, eagerly desire gifts, especially prophecy. And then here we're saying, if you've got the gift of prophecy but you don't love, there's no point. Because remember, this is all about our heart. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is in the, is in the process, is in the business of changing us. We're not going to be the same once he gets involved. He's going to change our hearts. So you could be operating in gifts of prophecy like Saul on the way to kill David. His heart was not right. What was the point in the prophecy? What was the point in the gift? It had no point. It was dead. Because his heart was not full of love. So you might think, you, you know, God has gifted you in the most incredible ways. And suddenly it all becomes about you and your ego, blah, 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 blah. It's pointless. It becomes absolutely pointless. What God desires is hearts surrendered to him. People who are willing to allow the spirit to transform us. That is where the world sees Jesus. That's where the world sees the Father heart of God. So gifts are great, but they're not the most important thing. We need to be transformed by his power. One of the other ways that we see transformation is through the fruit of the Spirit, which we can see in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we should be eagerly desiring those also, not just the gifts. And this comes from a heart laid down. If we surrender to God, we're not going to be stressing about, you know, like this whole thing about self-control. Why would we be losing control unless we think we're the answer? Unless we think it's got to be done in our strength? If, if somebody is losing their temper with you, there is potentially a need for some fruit of the Spirit in their life. Okay, be praying for them. Love them. We need to be representing the fruit of the Spirit, not from our own effort, but because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. If you're looking at that list of fruit and you're thinking, I am so far away from that, don't worry, that's how we all start. A million miles away from that. But the work of of God in our lives is powerful and ongoing. It's ongoing. 
okay? So we never will achieve perfection. But as we surrender our hearts, we see more and more of the fruit of the Spirit revealed. I'm concerned about time, so I'm not going to talk about everything. However, there is one scripture in Ephesians 4 that talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And this is something that God has really impacted me personally with in the last few weeks. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And what, what it sort of made me realize is if I'm carrying any unforgiveness or allowing bitterness any place in my life, that's grieving the Holy Spirit because it's the opposite of who he is. We've just been exploring, you know, what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit loves amongst all things. The Holy Spirit loves us and empowers us to love. So if we're holding on and letting bitterness grow, that grieves the Holy Spirit and it prevents an outbreak of, of, of what God wants to do in us. You see, the reason why value E is empowered by the Holy Spirit is because church cannot exist without him. So it is right there in our core values that we are to live empowered by the Holy Spirit because we are weak otherwise. We're weak. Without him, uh, we can't do anything. But with him, we can be built together in love. His power in us brings gifts that allow us to serve him and see life. The Holy Spirit teaches us to worship God. I wanted to talk more about that, but I had to be selective. He teaches us to worship God. It's beautiful. He helps us to do mission. And in Ephesians 5, when, he, when he, Ephesians 5 tells us to be filled, it's continuously be filled. Continuously, not just one off, continuously. And throughout the whole of the New Testament, you see people being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was not a one-time thing. It is real and it is active for us today. And not just is it possible, it's absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. Because I'm weak. I need him at work in my life. We all do, let's be honest. So the question today is not, will he be poured out for me? It's not, is he still at work today or is he good? Because those questions are very clearly answered in the Bible. The question is, do you hunger and thirst for him? That's the real question. So we've seen that the disciples didn't have to work anything up. They didn't have to jump around and sing several verses of a chorus first. They had to surrender their hearts in that prayer room and God chose to pour out his spirit on them. Simple, but really hard. Because we have to actually do it. We have to actually unlock our hearts. We have to actually say we're weak. And not just for the benefit of other people, because God sees what's really there. He sees it. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, 
visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs>